Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Man, what an incredible time of worship, and uh, I'm excited to continue in our series. A couple times a year we do this where we kind of study a particular character in the Bible, and we're starting a series uh, on Elisha. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. And and last week I told you that the series is important in the timeline of our church because I feel like it is a season where God has been planting seeds for for the last couple of years, but it's also a time where he's calling those things to life within us and, and challenging us and growing within us. And this, this series, this story, Elisha is a story of, of ordinary things becoming miraculous, ordinary things growing and reaching their potential. And, and I believe it is a story for, for what the Lord is wanting to do within your life. And we talked about the, the scary truth that most Christians are not at risk for ruining their lives, but rather wasting them. That so many times we miss out on what's been deposited within our lives. We miss out on the potential that is there and, and all of the ways that God has showed up. And, and so we, we asked ourselves some important questions. Are we following a plan or are we following a person? Are we being defined by a plow in our life or by our potential? Are we focused on a strategy? Are we focused on surrender. And if you missed it, I got a little fired up last week because I believe God has deposited some incredible things in you. If you missed that, you can check it out on the podcast. But the truth is that that many times in our life, we cannot see what God has deposited within us because the weight of what we are navigating in our life is too heavy. The struggles that we're facing, the the battles that we're going through, the the heartache that we're navigating, the the pain that we're experiencing, the struggle in our life feels so heavy that the idea of lifting our eyes up and seeing what God has for us in the future feels impossible. It feels like maybe you go from one struggle to the next. At the moment that one settles, it's like another one pops its head up immediately following. And it's like, can I ever just catch a break? Can I ever get through with life just being a little bit easier? And it, it seems like the next wave of struggle takes you out as soon as you're done with the, the first one. And it reminds me of the first time that I went surfing out here on the West Coast. I learned how to surf on the East Coast, and the waves out there just kind of like gently push you forward. The ones out here, there's like suction and like rolling, and like it's just a whole different world. And so I got in the water, and I happened to get in during a time where it was really calm, and so I got out to where the break was, and it was no big deal. I was like, all right, this is going to be easy. This is going to be normal. The very first wave that I caught, I tried to turn into it like you're supposed to do, and, and just got pummeled. And I was like, all right, no big deal. It happens just first time, no, no problem. 
for the next 30 minutes, wave after wave after wave pummeled me back. It was like someone had anchored my board to the shore and I could not move. Just wave after wave after wave taking me out. And I'm like, I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to get worn down. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm a strong swimmer. Like I'm from a Caribbean island. Like I'm supposed to be able to swim here. Like what, what is going on? I know my mama can't swim. I don't really figure that she's like almost 60 and she's been taking swimming lessons. So like now I don't have to worry about her drowning in the kiddie pool. So like we're making progress on that side of it. But like I've always been able to swim. What is what is happening here? And I, I, I thought, OK, I remember in like the movies, they do this thing called a duck dive. And I've never done it because I assumed it's for people with like washboard abs or a bikini and it's for slow motion and you're going through the wave and it's like, oh. So I said, okay, I'm going to try a duck dive to try to get through these waves. And I did it and smashed the board into my face. It just was brutal. So the rest of the way, I just laid on the board and let it carry me into shore like a castaway on a door from a shipwreck. Like, I was just done. This guy saw me laying there on the board. He's like, you okay, bro? I'm like, just keep going, man. I'm all, I'm all good. Don't even worry about it. And for some of you in your life, that's what it feels like. It feels like every time you lift your head to move forward, there's another wave that hits. There's another wave of, of depression. There's another wave of struggle. There's another wave of anxiety. There's another wave of pain. There's another, there's another thing happening again. And it feels like I'm too tired to paddle anymore. I've given the effort. I've done all of the things that I need to do. But wave after wave, it feels like you're stuck in the same place. You're in a place that you never imagined you would be mentally or, or physically or emotionally. And as we look at this incredible story from the life of Elisha, I want you to remember this important truth. We've talked about it before, but I thought it was important for us to hit again, that your greatest need becomes a blessing when it leads you to depend on God. Your greatest need, your greatest struggle, your greatest heartbreak, your greatest battle in your life actually becomes a blessing when it leads you to depend on God. In our story, Elisha had been serving as the prophet to Israel for this short period of time when the story hits the pages of scripture. And what had happened is, is, is three kings decided that they were going to work together, join forces, and try to defeat a common enemy, the Moabites. And the three kings, one of them was, was King Joram. He was the son of Jezebel and Ahab, who had been like the enemy of Elisha's mentor. Like they, he was just not a good dude, but he was the king of Israel at this time. It was the king Jehoshaphat that the Bible describes him as like, he's mostly good, right? Like he, he did some good things, but he still dabbled in like idolatry. So he's like mostly good. And then there's the king of Edom. This should be a really easy battle because it's three forces, the full weight of three armies coming together against one common enemy. But how many of you know that sometimes the best laid plans don't always work out? And so that's what happens in this story. Second Kings 3, starting in verse 9, it says, The king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. But there's no water for the men or their animals. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. 
But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. And one of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, Yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. You got to love it. I, I, just, I think so many times we read through the Bible and we just kind of like read the words and kind of like in school, we just kind of miss some of the things like, well, where did that question come from? Like we, we miss it. I love in the story, the evil king, the son of Jezebel, decides to go and, and plan this mission and go out and do his own thing. And the moment that something goes wrong, he goes, God abandoned us to die. And I imagine God's like, I did what? Wait, what? Me? What are you talking about? I think so many times we miss it. You see, our default response in life is to take the credit and place the blame. That when life gets hard, our our default response is is to take the credit. Like when things go well, things go well, we take it as as our ability to be, I'm I'm just self-sufficient. I'm I'm talented. God has gifted me, right? Like we, we try to take the credit when things go right. But when things go wrong, we are the victim of something else, we, we are, we're going through bad luck or like this evil king, uh, God has abandoned me. I'm all alone in this situation. And in our lives, we, we try to take the credit and then we shift the blame. And the reality is if we don't intentionally change this mindset within us, if, if we don't work to, to get away from this blame or credit mentality, we'll find ourselves as either the creator of our good fortune or the victim of somebody else's agenda. Like we find ourselves on these two different sides. We, we find ourselves that if we try to take all of the credit that we are the creator of our good fortune. That this happened to me because I worked so hard. This happens to me because I did this and because I strategized this the right way. But then when our plans go wrong, it's like, well, God, where are you? We have to get out of this mentality of blame or credit. You see, these three kings had made a plan, and it, and it just didn't work out. It didn't happen how they, they thought. And with all of my heart, I wish that only good things happened to good people. I, I really do. I wish that was the way that our world was, that you, you work hard to do something right, and the only thing on the other side of it is good things. But Jesus never promised us an easy life. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have battles. Sometimes being right in the center of his will, it'll be a battle. And it'll be hard. His promise was not that it would be easy. His promise is that he would always be with us. He would always be present. Proverbs 16, 1 says, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Verse 9, he says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines 
our step. And it leads us to this truth that the, the tension between planning and trust is one to manage, not to solve. That's in your notes. The, the tension between planning and trust is one to manage, not solve. I, I learned this many years ago from a leader that I follow, that there are things in life where it's a tension to manage or it's a problem to solve. And as a problem solver, I think everything is a problem to solve. But the reality is in our life, there are some things that you just can't solve it. A relationship it's not a solvable thing. It's attention to manage. It's people who are growing and learning and, and changing and experiencing different things. It's a, it's a tension that you manage and you try to find that healthy in the midst of that tension. The idea that we're just going to be able to solve a problem and it'll be done, that works in math. But in life, sometimes that's not how it happens. You need both our problem is that we lean too hard into either side at times. Sometimes we're like, I'm just trusting God. Did you put a resume out? No. Well, well I mean, I'm not saying he can't open up a job opportunity for you, but you might want to like, you know, jump into Microsoft Word and do a little bit of something here and send an email or two out. Or we go into the planning side and we're going we're gonna to nail it all down. We're going to orchestrate our entire life and our career and we're going to do it all this way. And then we go, hey, God, would you bless this? This is how I would like it to go. Would you, would you bless this for me? And he's like, yeah, that's cute. That's, that's real cute. And at our men's breakfast yesterday, we, we talked about the truth that great leaders honor and learn from what's in the past, but they also imagine and strive for a preferred future. That we, we navigate this tension with trust and planning. It's through, it's through a foundation of trust that we then begin to build our plans but what I've learned in my life, especially following after God, that I hold those plans with open hands. Because the moment I close that fist and go, this is, I got it, God. I figure this one out. He's like, no, it's not about the plan. So back in the story, the, the kings have traveled to Elisha, and we're about to see some, some characteristics of Elisha that's really important. This dude has no chill. He has no filters, and he is completely fearless. I love this part of the Bible. It's so funny. 2 Kings 3, verse 13. He says, why are you coming to me? Why? Go to those pagan prophets of your father and mother. Why are you bothering me, evil king? But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here, only to be defeated by the king of Moab. It's like... You haven't even fought Moab. You haven't even seen Moab. What are you talking about that you were defeated already? And Elisha replied, this, this dude is so funny. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives who I'm served, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Jew. I, I wouldn't even look your direction. If you came to me, I would just walk right on by but I like this dude, so I guess I'll stand here and listen to you. If I have to, I will. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. I need some background music before I can pray. I like this dude. He's, he is a trip. 
So while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. Other translations says, fill this valley with ditches. Fill this valley so that pools can be filled. You will neither see wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and for your cattle and other animals. They needed a miracle. God told them to dig a ditch. It's like, wait, 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 wait. No, God. I said I need a miracle. I need you to do something. I need it. I need it. No, 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 no. Go, go and fill the valley with ditches. God, maybe you forgot that we've been wandering in the heat of the desert for a week. We're exhausted. We're dehydrated. That's the whole reason why we're coming here. And you want us to do manual labor and dig holes in the ground? I don't understand. Last week I told you that God has deposited something within you, and many times we can't even see it, that he wants his light to illuminate the, our imagination of what he can do in and through our lives and project hope into your future. But two things can be true at the same time. You'll see this in your notes that, that we don't dream big enough, but we also don't start small enough. That yes, while God has deposited some powerful and incredible things within your life, and many times we miss out on it because we don't allow him to, to inspire us and illuminate our lives, illuminate our hearts, to dream for the future. While that may be the truth and we need to increase that in our lives, we also don't start small enough. They wanted a miracle and God gave them a work order. So many times we, we believe that our potential begins with a big move, a big change in our life, a big promotion. But most of the time it starts with small, consistent decisions, small steps forward that get us to that place we dream of being. You see, years ago when I was stuck working at the bank and I felt like God had called me to be a leader worth following and to make a difference in the world while I was in between customers instead of doom scrolling on my phone like all the rest of my coworkers, I was reading leadership books. I was trying to learn and grow and, and try to take advantage of that time that I had in that season. For some of you, you're single and you're wanting to find Mr. and Mrs. Right, but what would happen if you took the steps to become the very best version of yourself rather than waiting for Prince Charming or the beautiful princess to walk through the door. Like what would happen if we, we took some small steps? For some of you, you wanna have a deep walk with God and you assume it's gonna take this massive, huge moment, but what if it started with you just praying 10 minutes a day? Some of you wanna restore and rectify that relationship that's been broken and we're, we're wanting it to be fixed overnight rather than starting with a true apology and, and steps of repentance that said, I was heading this way and that's what broke us. I'm turning this way and I want to take one step every day, every moment, a little bit closer to healing. What would happen if we dreamed big, but we started small? It would change the way 
God moved in our lives. God says, if you dig the ditches, I will provide the water. So what small step of obedience can change somebody's life today? What small step of obedience could, could make a difference in somebody? Maybe it's, maybe it's a stranger's life. Maybe you, it's just taking that moment to have that extra 10-second, 20-second, 30-second conversation with the cashier at the grocery store today. Maybe it's, it's seeing someone who feels unseen. Or maybe it's, hey, we've got our, our calendar is packed for this week, but you know what? It's been a long time since we just spent some time together. I'm canceling everything. But what about baseball practice? What about it? Is your family not more significant than our hopes and dreams of being able to one day be a major league baseball player? Like, one night isn't going to blow up the world. What if that small step of saying, no, as a family, we're going to take some intentional time? What if you, you cancel the plan and said, hey, I'm going to go on a date with my wife. No, I'm going to go on a date with my kids and, and have some individual time with them and connect with them in a deeper way. What if it's just calling someone that's been on your heart and your mind for weeks that God has been whispering to you, check in on them, check in on them, check in on them. And you're like, God, I'm real busy. I got a lot going on. Have you seen my calendar? Maybe it's the small steps that will make the big difference. But here's the problem that's bigger for, for, for many of us. And maybe you're better than me. This is a struggle that I have. A lot of times we want to produce the water while God is trying to produce obedience. We want to solve the problem and we want God to bless our solution. Why? Because I don't always like the way he does it. I don't always like his answer. Sometimes I want to come up with the idea of how the water will be provided and go, don't you like this plan, God? Isn't this a good idea? What if, miraculously, a dam over here broke and then it filled the water? That was my idea. You like that idea, God? That's a good idea, huh? We want to produce the water. God wants to produce obedience. I know that Paul says that God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory, but I want to provide it for my own self. I want a little bit of control. But we need to follow him rather than try to get him to bless our own plans. So what happens in the story? In verse 18, we see this. Elisha is still continuing on. He says, but hey, this, this water thing, this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You will cut down all the good trees to stop up their springs and ruin all their good land with stone. And the next day, about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. I don't have time to go into this today, but there's something powerful about the fact that the water was flowing from the place that they came from. It, it's almost as if God was saying, the provision that you needed is flowing from the place in your past that I've healed. I don't have time to go there. I got to move on. 
But for all the things that the kings did wrong, this time they actually got it right. God said, fill this valley with ditches. And you know what they did? They obeyed. They actually did it. They did the work. They dug the ditches. They made the valley full of ditches. But what if, what if they didn't take him serious? What if they obeyed, but they only did it like halfway? What if they were like, this Elisha dude ate some bad pizza, and he's talking about God wants us to dig ditches in the middle of the, what? What? Okay, here's, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do like half of this area, and then we'll just leave the rest, and we'll just see what happens in the morning. And it leads us to this powerful truth that I believe that the level of your obedience impacts the proportion of your miracle. The level of your obedience impacts the proportion of your miracle. Had they only filled it halfway, they would have gotten half of the provision. And I just wonder how many times in our faith journey, how many times in our relationship with God, how many times in our relationships, how many times do we, we mostly do those things that God is calling us to do? We, we take a few of the steps, but we don't fully obey. Had they not obeyed, they would have gotten some of the blessing that God is challenging. Hey, I, I want you to do this. Okay, well, I'll do most of it. But that conversation you want me to have, no, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm just not going to go there. Hey, that, that thing that you want me to shift and change in my life, like I'll do it some of the times, but when I get really stressed out, I'm going to go back to it. Like we mostly obey, but we miss out. And God is saying that if you show me your, your faith and action, I will show you my faithfulness. You see, there's a difference between faith and belief. There's a difference between faith and belief. I can believe that if you strap a parachute on and jump out of a plane, you're probably going to be okay because you, I, I've seen it happen. I believe that parachutes work. Faith is me strapping one of them bad boys on and jumping out of a plane and seeing it work. And I think a lot of times in our faith journey, we believe a lot of things about God, but we, we aren't really courageous enough to actually step out in faith and do those things. We believe God will show up and make a difference in our marriage. We believe God will show up in our workplace and change the environment. We believe God can bring healing. We believe God can bring hope. We, we believe God can help me deal with my anxiety and my stress and my overwhelm. We believe it. But there's a difference between belief and faith and action. Sometimes we only somewhat obey. And God is saying, the level of your obedience impacts the proportion of the miracle. If you fully trusted, if you fully obeyed, if you would fully lean into what I have for you, miracles would happen. I don't know about you, but I want the valleys of my life to be filled with the provision and the hope and the peace that he promises us. 
But it's this really cool thing at the very beginning that he was, he was saying, he says, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he'll make you victorious over the army of Moab. They were, they were only looking for water to solve the problem, and God gave them a promise to give them victory beyond that. They weren't even worried about the battle yet. They just wanted their problem solved in the present. You, you get some water to me, God, I'll handle the rest. He says, no, I'm going to go ahead and take care of that too. That's my faithfulness. That's my goodness. Our obedience leads to a place where the blessings of God will continually flow in our lives. There's one last thing from this story that I want you to see. It happens in verse 21. On the other side of the valley, on the other side, meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword and they stationed themselves along their border. Something happened. When they got up the next morning, the, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites, red like blood. It's blood, the Moabites exclaimed. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. They had drama and they just took care of each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and we'll collect the plunder. We already have victory. But when the Moabites arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and ran. The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. I saw this, this truth in this part of the story. That the enemy of your purpose, the enemy of your story, the enemy of your relationship with God, the enemy of, of what God has deposited in you, the enemy assumes you will defeat yourself. But we can rise up, renewed, strengthened, empowered, and ready for victory. You see, the, the enemy of your purpose assumes that you will self-sabotage your future. The enemy of your purpose assumes that that same thing that tripped you up last month, last year, last week, is going to trip you up again. That same thing, that, that same plow that was in your past, that was that anchor that held you back from the future, he assumes that same plow is there, that it hasn't been burned. He assumes that the same way you have struggled is the same way you're going to struggle again. But God is saying that I can renew your strength. I can give you new hope. I can give you new purpose. I can restore those things that were broken. I can restore those things that feel like it's been damaged beyond repair. I can bring healing and peace and grace and mercy to your life in such a way that when the enemy shows up with the same old foolishness, you can rise up in victory. You can rise up renewed in the truth of the Lord, that when the enemy comes with that same old junk that he always comes with, he has no idea that you were ready. That same lie that's been coming to your thought process over and over again, you have the truth of God's word that will silence the lie. That that same struggle that's been impacting you, that the Lord can bring healing to those deep places within your heart. That source of anxiety that's been there for years and years and years. God says, I can heal it. So when the enemy tries to press that same button of yours, that button doesn't work anymore. 
that you are renewed, you are strengthened, you are empowered. You see, the enemy assumes that the potential God has deposited within you will remain just that, potential, buried, unseen, unused. But God gives us this illustration that he is sending the water, the water that will get down to the the seed, get down to the roots and allow new life and new purpose and new hope to grow from what was buried. We can and we will rise up. You see, the Bible describes us as fighting from a place of victory. But too many times in our faith journey, we, we approach our struggles from a place of defeat, from a place of fear, from a place of insecurity, from a place of brokenness. But the way that God sees us, because he knows what he's placed within us, is that we are not some weak, worn out, broken, unusable person just trying to survive life. We are filled with purpose. We are filled with hope. We are filled with the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And what God is reminding me, and I hope he's reminding you, is that you and I do not have to fight from a place of defeat any longer. He wants to restore some things within us and allow us to fight from a place. And when the enemy comes, he's assuming wrong. We'll rise up from a place of victory, and from a place of confidence. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this reminder. I thank you for the way that you, you challenge us not only to believe, to believe that there's potential within us. That's cool, God. I believe, yeah, one day, somehow, magically, I'm gonna be able to do something good for you. There's a difference between belief and faith. So Jesus, I pray for those who are are here today. I pray for those who are watching online. God, would you stir up faith within their hearts? Would you stir up purpose within their hearts? Would you remind them that that you're not asking them to do these great things, that you are asking them to simply obey, to take one step forward in faith, knowing that you will be there, that you you are the guide to our lives, you are the hope, you are the strength that we need. God, I... I pray for my friends that as the enemy comes to attack them with the same lies and the same foolishness and the the same tricks and the same triggers and those same things in their heart, would you silence the lies of the enemy and that you would remind them that they are fighting from a place of victory. They are fighting from a place in which the God who created it all, the God who loves us, the God who has deposited something within us, the God who sees the future, the God who has prepared a way, the God who is the God of hope, the God of goodness, the God of mercy, the God of grace, would you remind us that we are fighting with you at our side, that we no longer have to be defeated by these things. 
God, give us clarity to know where it is that you're asking us to dig a ditch within our faith journey. There's places where you're asking us to be obedient so that you can send the waters of heaven to fill that area of our heart and our mind and our lives. God, give us the courage to take the steps of faith you're asking us to take. And we know that as we put our hope and our trust and our faith in you, you will be faithful to show up. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus.